You know, when I was um, first approached by Pastor Tim to come and consider this church, it was a strange thing that happened that week, that same week, or maybe the week or two before that, I had three or four different churches call from different parts of the nations telling me that God had spoke to them that I should be the pastor of their churches. And, and every one of them said the same thing, God has spoke to us that you should come and take this church. And it just didn't resonate. But when God caused Pastor Tim to call, it began to resonate. It began to move in my spirit. And it wasn't really the, the, the place I would have expected. It wasn't what I expected. But I feel like God wants to do something very unique in this mountain. Amen. And I believe God is preparing to shake this territory. I really do. I think God has something that we've never seen in churches before. And I'm not just talking about weird stuff, but I'm talking about God is going to do some things we haven't seen before. And, and very unusual, very unique. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't reach across our entire state and, and maybe sweeping up through the nation. Um, God's going to do something that's very, very unique. So I just encourage you to make yourself as available as you can to all that God has. Amen? Amen. So let's start today in Luke, the first chapter. I'm going to preach a message called, My Name is Grace, I'm a Warrior. My Name is Grace, I'm a Warrior. I want to start in Luke, the first chapter, and the 13th verse. And I believe this is the King James Version. I, everybody always asks me what version I'm in. I'm not even sure because I study with all those Bibles open. I don't know which one I pick. I just try to pick the one that says it clearly for where I'm trying to go that day. It says, The angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias. For your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. Now, he's talking to Zacharias, who's serving as a priest, and John is, is, is actually John the Baptist here. I don't know if you know this or not, but Luke 1 has more verses than any other chapter in all the New Testament. So I'm going to jump all the way down to Luke 1, verse 80. It says, So the child grew and became strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his manifestation to Israel. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, My name is Grace. My name is Grace. My name is Grace. Throughout the Bible, when names are used, they always mean something. They're, they're very, very important in the Bible. John is the masculine derivative. Hannah would be the feminine derivative. The etymology is the same word. It's the same name. John in masculine, Hannah in, in, in feminine. Both names mean Yahweh is gracious. That's what the names mean. So the Lord said to name the child Grace. John the Baptist would be, as we know, a forerunner to Jesus Christ. So what it's saying to us, what the Bible's teaching us here, is that grace would be the forerunner to the kingdom. Did you follow me? Jesus introduced the kingdom, okay? So grace now is going to be the forerunner to the kingdom. So God starts birthing something, something called grace, okay? Grace is the ability to do and to be something you could not do or be by yourself. That's the perfect definition of grace, okay? So I could not get saved by myself. So grace came. Grace is my ability to do something or to be something that I couldn't be 
without, with, by myself, okay? So God intervenes, and God steps in, and that's called grace. When grace is birthed, it causes you to praise. Amen? Sometimes it's not always easy to praise. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Sometimes it's a difficult day, it's a tough time, something's happened, and those are what we call days of sacrifice of praise. It's where we're going to give a praise because he's worthy, no matter if we understand everything that's happening or not. And so it's a praise of sacrifice. It's a praise that comes out of our heart. But whether it's a praise that we're excited because something good has happened, or whether we're sacrificing the praise, either way, it's a praise. Amen? Okay, and so praise, the Bible says, will cause a reward to be loosed into my life. And I'll explain that a little bit later. But because of the sacrifice of praise, whether it's a sacrifice or a praise, each time I am laying something on the altar for God, I'm praising, I'm thanking him for what he's done in my life, and I'm laying something on that altar. So it's one thing, let me step back for a moment and try to walk into this a little bit. It's one thing to praise God when you feel like it, when you got him up here beating the drums. That was cool, okay? <laughs> I, I had fun. I just wondered if she could keep beating us. She did a good job, okay? <laughs> Amen. Yeah, you know, it's one thing to praise God when you got the goosebumps, okay? But it's something else to praise God when it's just not convenient, when it's not feeling like it. So, so if you've walked with God for any length of time at all, you've learned over time that the best way to go through a battle, when you're in a battle, one of the best things you can do is not look like you're in a battle. Amen. Put on a praise. Put on a new spirit. Put on a garment. Put on a garment of praise. Don't wear a garment of heaviness. Change it up. I know that you know you, you're feeling heavy. I know you're feeling that way. But you'll mess up the devil when you change your garment. He doesn't know who you are because you've changed out of the garment of confusion and depression and despondency, and you've put on a garment of praise, even though you don't feel it. You're wearing one. Amen. And you always learn that if you've been saved for a while, that that garment will cause you to pass through things that you would have got stuck in before. Okay, so there's one way to praise, and when you praise it, let me just say, praise confuses the devil. It just confuses him. Whether you've had a great week or a tough week, if you'll take 10 seconds and praise the, uh, praise the Lord, it'll mess the devil up. Let's practice that. Give 10-second praise to God. Come on, give him a 10-second praise. Amen. That's five. Keep going. Keep on. That's five. <laughs> See? Woo, you made it for ten whole seconds. Awesome, guys. Amen. It messes the devil up. He can't figure out why you're praising God. Now, our story teaches us that God, I'm going to teach you several things about this story. This story is full of revelation. It, first of all, teaches us that God is not intimidated by barrenness. God is not intimidated by barrenness. Elizabeth, Zacharias' wife, had been barren for many years. They'd been trying to have a child. Zacharias teaches us, he, he's the priest, and he teaches us that sometimes you have to do right even though there's an absence of glory. Okay, at that season, there was no glory in the temple. There, it was, they were coming out of the darkness of Mal, the book of Malachi, 400 years of darkness. So now he is going in there. He's a high priest. He's the priest. He goes in, and he functions in the temple as a priest, putting on a spirit of praise, acting bright, doing all these things, and there's no glory in the house, none. It's dead. 
but he's going to do it, okay? So here comes people. His job is to dedicate babies. So when babies have got eight days old for the males, they've been circumcised, they bring them to him. How many of you know that when you're not feeling it, when you, everything is despondent, there's nobody that seems excited about anything, that you just don't really feel like having baby dedications? Right? It's just not the thing. He didn't feel like it, but he was going to do it right anyway. You're going to have to give me a little bit more monitor. I'll keep blowing, okay? I'll get louder and louder trying to yell because I can't hear. Okay. He's going to do right anyway. That's what I want you to get. The glory of the temple is gone, but yet he's walking around and lighting the candles. He's walking around and putting out the showbread. He's, nobody's there. Nobody even cares about the temple. Nobody's come to church. And he's in there by himself, praising God, lighting candles, doing his assignment. It didn't matter if anybody showed up at the Sunday school class or not. He had a great lesson. It didn't matter if anybody came to sing the songs. He had practiced on Thursday night, and he was up there singing the songs. That's what he was doing for years, not for months, for years. So Zacharias is a very interesting thing. His name means God has remembered that's what his name means. God has remembered. And his wife, he's married to remember to Elizabeth. Elizabeth, her name means an oath. An oath. So Zacharias remembered that God had married him to a promise. God had an oath with those people. God had a covenant with those people. And so his name says, I remember that God has married me to a promise. Now, you cannot enter into maturity until you remember the promises God has made to you. Are you hearing me? You have to learn to do right, whether you feel right or not. you got to learn that God has made promises. There are a lot of prophecies that have been made about Flagstaff that are not yet fulfilled. There's a lot of prophecies about your life that have not yet come to pass. And you have to remember that God has made an oath to you. His word will not return void. I don't know how he's going to fulfill it. I don't know when he's going to fulfill it. But I promise you he will fulfill it. And so you have to remember that. And when you remember that, it doesn't matter if anybody else remembers it. You have to give up a praise. You have to give up a praise. I remember what God spoke to me when I was 15 years old in a church camp. Whatever, however, God spoke to you. You have to remember those things. You have to remember what God said. And you have to lift up a praise because you're married to that. Amen. And so this is the lesson he's being taught. This is something that's happening in his life. Now the angel comes. And the angel says, fear not. You're getting ready to give birth to something. And I want you to name it grace. I want you to name this grace. We need to understand this word called grace. If you don't understand grace, you could misappropriate it and make it be something that it's not, okay? Grace is not, is not God tolerating your mess and looking the other way. I just let that set for a minute. Grace that doesn't lead to purity isn't grace. Grace that doesn't lead to purity is not grace. Grace is not passive. Grace is not opinionless. Grace is not passionless. Grace does not just stand by. Grace is not 
whatever will be, will be type of an attitude. That is not grace. Here is what grace is. Grace is violent. It's aggressive. It's a demonstration and commitment by God to bring you out of whatever mess you're in. That's what grace is. It's violent, it's aggressive, and it's God's commitment that he's going to come in and he's going to get you out. Grace is the power of God in operation. Grace is the power of God in operation. Grace is not God saying, I know that you're in trouble and I love you anyway. Grace is God saying, yes, I see you in trouble and I'm coming in. We're not leaving you there. We're coming after you. And God still loves you while you're in the mess, yes. But it's not him turning his head and saying, well, you know, I understand. It's been hard. No, no. God's not, that's not God. That's, that's some kind of a false doctrine. Grace is violent, aggressive God coming in after you. To do for you what you cannot do for yourself. Amen. So grace is God saying, I love you so much to watch. I'm not just going to watch you mess up your life. I'm going to roll up my sleeves, I'm going to come in, I'm going to get in a fight with you, and I'm going to help you get yourself out of this mess you got yourself in. Somebody say amen. God is committed to you, every one of you. He's committed to your families, he's committed to your children. Your households shall be saved. He's committed to you. He will not give up. At the end of the day, you're going to have to be able to pull yourself up and say, God, by his grace, reached into my life and my children's life and my marriage and my home and my finances, and by his grace, he turned these things around. Hallelujah. You guys are going to make me preach. Amen. I know to give God praise for how, he protected me from the enemy. But sometimes you have to learn how to give praise to God for protecting you from yourself. You didn't even need a devil to trouble you. <laughs> you were your own devil. Amen. I didn't need the devil to talk me into nothing. Oh, you guys aren't following yet. But God said, my name is Grace. I want you to name him Grace. Now listen to what Romans 5.20 says. Where sin abounds, grace does, what are those next words? Much more. Everybody say, much more abound. That's what God says. So grace is not equal to sin. Grace is much more than sin. No matter what your sin is, grace is bigger than it. No matter what mess you're in, the power of God can reach into your mess. And it's not because you deserve it, but it's because God loves you. And it's not even because you ask for it. I've been sitting in places where I wasn't talking to God, and I didn't think he was talking to me, and he rescued me. I look back in my life, and I realize I should have been dead right there. I should have not made it through that. I should have been messed right there, should have been over. But somehow, God, by his grace, knew I wasn't ready to meet him yet. Amen. And God, by his grace, reached into my mess. Grace is David reaching into the lion's mouth and pulling the lamb out. It's a picture of God's grace. Grace is the words on the inside of Moses that caused him to rise up and say, let my people go. 
Grace is not God looking the other way while you're going through hell. Grace is the Spirit of God saying, I see you trapped. I see you in the bite, the clinch of hell, and I'm coming after you. Grace is the power of God in operation. Amen. It's, are you with me so far? It's God saying, I'll get down in the dirt with you. I'll leave heaven and I'll take on a body of dirt just to reach your life. Think about it. God Almighty took on a body of dirt, allowed people to beat him to death. He says, I'll go to hell for you. And when I get done going to hell for you, I'll grab the keys of death, hell, and the grave for you. And when I come back up, I'll make you mighty and I'll make you victorious. That's the God we serve. Now, we're talking about grace today. We're talking about something that God wants to do to shake a territory. We're talking about how God wants to move in this territory right here, right in your life, and right in your family. Well, pastor, you just don't know how hard this city is. There ain't no city that's too hard for God. No neighborhood, no child. Amen. There were seasons I wondered if I'd given birth to children or demons. <laughs> Our families can be struggling. Poverty and lack can be everywhere. Disease can be rampant in our families. We can have cancer sweeping through our families. Whatever it is, God is ready to give birth. I'm trying to tell you something here today. To a violent operation of his love and his power in this region right here. And I believe he wants to use us to be city lights in a dark place. Amen. I don't care what has happened on the Navajo Reservation. I don't care what's happened on the Hopi Reservation, the, the Zuni Reservation, whatever rev, uh, reservation. I, I don't care. God is able to reach in there. And God is able to change the culture. And God is able to touch the children. And God is able to deliver not 99.9%, but 100% an entire nation from alcoholism. Oh, yes, he can. Oh, yes, he can. Let God put a yes in your mouth. Everybody say yes. Jesus never said no. Look in the Bible. He never said no. He always said yes. Whew, let me get a drink right there. That was a good one. I wasn't even ready for that my own self. The angel comes, says you're going to have a child. You're going to name it Grace. Because I'm ready to do a violent operation of my love in this Roman messed up culture you're living in. I'm ready to come into this earth where nobody is serving me. Nobody cares about me. There's all kind of corruption and pollution. And I'm ready to send my men into that area to change things up. And so an angel comes. Now listen to this. In the sixth month, Elizabeth is six months pregnant. That means it's starting to show pretty good. You know what I mean? It starts, you got a good, good little pooch going on. <laughs> June is the sixth month. June is our sixth month. The word came to Zacharias, in, and, and that word said, it come to Zacharias, which means I, 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 I'm, I'm married to an oath. I remember that God has promised me, and I, I'm married to that. Now he understands. He's six months into it. In just a few Short months, three more months, he's remembering this, the angel's speaking to him, that God's power is going to manifest. In three months, he's catching on now, this whole, whole thing of no glory is going to be over. 
somehow God's going to do something. He doesn't really understand it, but it's going to happen at the birth of grace. It's going to happen at the birth of grace. Then the same angel, Gabriel, Gabriel is the father's archangel. Michael is the Holy Spirit's archangel. Lucifer was the archangel of Jesus, and that's why Jesus came to deal with him. But well, that's another sermon. Then that very same angel, Gabriel, goes to find another young woman by the name of Mary. And he tells young virgin Mary, get ready, you're about to have a baby. So John, Grace, is there six months ahead of Jesus to prepare a way for Jesus to come behind him. He was the one that prepared the way in the wilderness. How many remember that story? Okay, so you, you, have, you have to turn around John's message. He's telling all the people, you're going to have to turn around because there's someone coming after me that's greater than I am. He's talking about Jesus. He's telling all them Roman soldiers, all those people, you're going to have to turn around. And he's grace. He's delivering this message. There's something coming that's going to change your world to do things for you you cannot do for yourself. You have no power over the Roman government, but this guy coming after me can squelch him down in a second of time. The guy coming after me is the creator of all that there is. The guy coming after me is going to establish a whole new kingdom. So grace comes to prepare a church for what God is ready to do. Because God is ready to shake a territory. You cannot bring revival into a territory with a bunch of passive, Gomer Pyle, Barney Fife, beige people who want to sit around and nod their heads occasionally. I think God's favorite color is red. You know what I mean? Beige is like blah. Red is like, ah! That, that, I think God might be into red. I'm not sure. God is looking for a people who have married themselves to a promise, the promises that God has said to them, and by his power working in our lives, we have prepared ourselves, amen, we have prepared ourselves to put under our feet every enemy and walk in the name of Jesus. His name is glorious. We're to walk like the roar of a lion. We're to walk and blow a trumpet like we're in Zion. Yes, amen. <laughs> Revival comes to the church that can shake themselves up and say, you know what? I will come to church and I'll be just a little bit different than every other church. I'm not going to sit there and be beige. I'm going to get there and get radical because I need that message to come to my children. I need that message to come to my city. I need that message to come into my family. And I need that message in my own heart. Amen. I need to know that I've got to get radical. I've got to put on a new garment. I've got to put on a new praise. I've got to put on a new spirit. I can't keep walking the same way I've been walking for the last 10 years and expect something new to happen. If you want something new to happen, put on a new garment. Amen. If you want something new in your life, then you got a challenge to revive and renew yourself. And that's what grace does. Grace comes into your world and says, I'm going to help you and I'm going to prepare you and I'm going to get you ready because there's a move of God that he wants to have in your spirit. i got to get your soul man ready for your spirit man to receive all God has for it. Amen. So the challenge is to revive the church first. Grace comes to prepare a church.
to usher in the kingdom. I want to usher in the kingdom in this house. Amen. John only has a little bit of time. He's got a three-month window ahead of Christ. He's going to have to prepare the way and make ready a people. He's going to have three months in pre-runner before Christ. In other words, he's going to have to have great grace, God's strength. Nobody can prepare a people in three months. You can't take a people that know nothing, and in three months they're walking in the power and dominion of Christ without grace. I believe God's going to send a grace to this church. I believe God's going to help us prepare ourselves, prepare our spirits, prepare our minds, prepare our hearts to make ready ourselves for the strength and the dominion he wants to give us. If he gave it to you now, you'd shatter. Amen. You've got to be ready to bear the weight of glory. Glory has a weight. Listen to me. You got it. You, you can't. I, I mean, if I take you in the gym right now and give you a five pound weight, you could probably handle it. But if I drop 400 pounds on you, you'll probably crush your little chest. Get it up. Get it up. Get it up. <laughs> we have to prepare you for that. We got to prepare you for the weight. Amen, somebody. And I believe that's what God is getting ready to do right now. Through grace, God is going to begin to release an aggressive love of God. He's going to make ready a people for what is coming our way. And the first thing we're going to have to do is understand some things. Amen. Are you with me today? He wants to prepare us so that we will be ready to bear the weight of what he really wants to give us. He might want to give some of you sitting in here an entire Navajo nation, and you don't realize that. He maybe want to give you an entire family lineage or the whole west side of Flagstaff. God knows they need it. Just teasing. Amen. John was born in between two covenants. He was, Remember, there had been 400 years of darkness. No God, no spirit of God moving at all from the book of Malachi when it ends to the book of Matthew when it begins. 400 years of darkness. He stands right there in the middle, right in the middle. On one hand, he's holding the law and the tabernacle. On the other hand, he's holding uh, Matthew one hand's Malachi, one hand's Matthew. He's holding Jesus and the kingdom. So one hand he's holding the law and the tabernacle. The other hand he's holding Jesus and the, the kingdom. He was born under the old covenant. But while he was in his mother's womb, the Bible says, he was filled with the Holy Ghost, the new covenant. So he now is the bridge between both. You following? Do you get lost? He's filled with the Holy Ghost, but he lives in the Old Covenant. He's a bridge between the two. So grace is now filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's, birth, from his mother's womb. I'm really tired of churches, let me tell you what we're going to have to have here, that say they're spirit-filled and nobody speaks in tongues. Ooh, it got quiet in the house. They want the power, but they deny it. Okay. Churches that tell me they're full gospel and they're too dignified to speak in tongues and cast out a devil. God can't bring a revival in that mess. If you want to have a revival, revivals are messy. Look in the Bible, there's always a lot of blood and guts and goo down by the altar. 
there's, there's, there's sacrifice and stuff. We're going to be sacrificing a lot of stuff too. Our emotions, our feelings, the way we've been trained, the way we thought. We're going to have to lay all that stuff down there because God's not interested in, in your Baptist background. God's not interested in your Pentecostal background. God's not interested in your full gospel background. God's not interested if you're a Presbyterian or Lutheran or who you think you are. God says, we're done with all that. We're moving in my kingdom now. It's a whole new way, a whole new way of doing business, and you're going to have to sacrifice the way you think, the way you move, and I'm going to fill you with a new spirit, a new spirit, and that spirit's going to get a hold of you, and it's going to make you make other people very nervous, amen. You're going to make them nervous when you come into the room, because do you know what makes, you know, you know what really makes people that have demons nervous? When a preacher starts talking about demons, Amen. When, if you get nervous when I speak in tongues or when I talk about a devil, it could be your entertaining one. Listen to me very carefully. In the name of Jesus, come out of them. Come out of them. Let my people go. Let my people go. God wants to raise up a church that's not deacon-possessed, Amen. A bunch of folks that have hijacked the sanctuary. Amen. Oh, now I'm preaching, so you guys are making me preach. This is a serious matter because I want to see God have revival in our town. I want to see an awakening happening right here in this town. And so, so something has to happen. We, it, it's, God's not doesn't care about our polls. He doesn't care about our voting. He doesn't care about our opinions. And that includes mine as well as yours. Amen. God's not concerned with all about that. God's not into the spirit of restraint, uh, python choking the life out of our churches. He's not into spirits of witchcraft that manipulate and try to control, spirits that try to withhold what God's doing. He's not into all that stuff. God is a, 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 amen. Talk to me. I'm making you nervous again. I can feel it. God wants to do something that's powerful, and the first thing he's going to do is he's going to cause a people, a people filled with grace to begin to cry into the wilderness spirit out there. These are people birthed in the Holy Ghost, and they're going to begin to cry out in their prayer life and in their families and in their world around them, and their cry is going to be filled with authority, and it's going to be filled with dominion. And that grace, that grace turns into, the Bible says in Luke 1, a spirit of Elijah. And Elijah says, if you're with God, you're with God. God, and if you're not with God, you're not with God. Who are you going to be with? That's what he says. How long are you going to halt between two opinions? That's the spirit. God, the spirit of grace will polarize. It will begin to strengthen an atmosphere. It will begin to prepare a way for a kingdom. The 21st century church is not a suggestive church. Let me suggest a few things to you. Now, you might want to consider this for your own edification. That's a false gospel. Ooh, I'm preaching good night now. The kingdom of God has requirement. The kingdom of God has assignment. The kingdom of God has identity. The kingdom of God has sacrifice. And this is what God is trying to show us today and teach us today. We, 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 we have to change the spirit of the churches that we're living around right now. There's something that's just missing in our culture. Can, can, are you following what I'm saying? We have a group of churches today that when you walk in them, there's never, ever anybody get a spirit. When's the last time you saw a devil cast out? When I got saved 40 years ago, we was casting them out of almost every church service. Where'd they go? 
What's happened is there's no authority in the pulpits no more. There's no dominion in the house no more. There's no John the Baptist's of grace crying out in the wilderness no more. And we wonder why the devil won't back down when we speak a word to him. Oh, amen. Let me get a little drink here. We're, gonna, we're working on you today. You said you want a preacher. Okay. Let's learn. Let's learn. Let's learn. Genesis 2.5. I'm going to help you. Genesis 2.5. For the Lord God had not, had not caused it to rain upon the earth. God said, I'm not going to let it rain. And there was not a man to till the ground. God said, I'm not going to release rain. Now let's bring it to where we're living. Revival rain. I'm not releasing a revival rain until I have a man that can till the ground. Not going to do it. Till, the word till means to turn or to plow. So the way you take and make ground fertile, hard ground, if you want it to become fertile, you got to turn it. you got to turn it. The hard heart cannot become fertile until it's turned. I gotta attack your little hard heart until it turns. If the blade's not big enough, I gotta get a bigger one. If a mule won't work, I'll get a caterpillar. You know what I'm talking about. A great, we're gonna turn the heart. So there's, there's stuff in the earth that can't come out. There's stuff in your treasure. There's stuff in your life that cannot come out. God will not send a rain on it. It will not come out until there's a man in your life that will till it. So no man, he said, I'm not releasing the heavens if there's not a man in your life. So what if I was to tell you today, I wouldn't do it in public because it would be embarrassing, but I might. But what if, <laughs> what if I was to tell you there's stuff in you? Like here's some good stuff. There's treasures in you. Every one of you have a treasure of God in your life. Every one of you have a gift, something special. But the only way that that thing's going to begin to grow and have birth and have the reign of the Holy Spirit to reign on it, God says somebody is going to have to till you and pull it out of you. They're going to have to buy the whole thing and till it. God doesn't open your heavens until you have somebody plowing in your field. Even if the soil's good, it has to be turned regularly to remain good. I have men in my life that till my world. They till me. They're not worried about impressing me. They're not worried about if I like them. They don't need me to give them an offering. They're just there. And when I, get, when I was trying to figure out, do I want to come over here to VLCC or do I want to go over there to that place, to that place, to that place, they tilled my world. They tilled it all the way down to the spinal cord. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> they tilled me, buddy. Amen. They got down deep, and I could feel God's smile. I could feel God's pleasure because I surrendered myself to that. And in the middle of it, I gave him a praise, and I put on a new garment. And I said, you know, I'm not going to walk around this funky attitude. I'm going to put on a new spirit. I'm not going to walk around this weird thing. How can I serve a people or introduce God's grace if I've got a wrong spirit in my heart? Amen. So I'm going to change myself. So in case you don't understand what I'm doing right now, I'm doing warfare with a dominant spirit that's over this territory. This territory doesn't like anybody to till it. 
This territory knows everything. Just ask them. Just like a teenager. Because they're still in that stage of growth. They haven't hit maturity yet. They're still pre-teens. The churches in this arena are still pre-teen. Still junior high level. Because they have nobody that will till their life. Nobody that will coach their life. Nobody will speak into their life. Amen. Don't get mad. Because we don't have a lot of time, I've decided to preach this to you today. Because I believe God is going to give us a window, an opportunity. I believe we're going to hit it. There's a Kairos timing of God. How many of you understand that? Do you understand Kairos? They set up a target up here, a target here, a target here, a target here, and a target here. Now, anybody sitting back there that's a good bowsman can shoot the target and hit the bullseye. But that wasn't the game. The game was they would take a long tube, about three foot long, about eight inches around to ten inches around, and they would swing it across the front of the targets. So while it's moving, you have to shoot. The tube was called a tune. It's where we get the word opportunity. You have to shoot the arrow through the tune and hit the target. Now it's a different game. Because now you have to feel it coming, and you got to shoot ahead of it. You can never shoot to where it's going, or to where it's at. You have to shoot to where it's going. Are you with me so far? Okay, so right now, the tune is moving. Now, the beautiful thing is sometimes it'll swing back, and you get a second chance if you can load fast enough. But most of the time, you don't get that second chance. So I'm telling you, we're coming into a chance right now. Amen? Are you hearing me? There's a movement of God that's trying to come right now into Arizona. I believe it can start right here. I believe it can sweep across our uh, Navajo Nation and right here throughout our whole city. I believe, I believe, watch this, I believe black folks can get saved. Crackers can get saved. God, you resemble that, Mark? God can save anybody. I want to see this place filled with Asians. I want to see this place filled with every kind of person. There's, there's an opportunity coming right now, but my job and your job is to get ready for it. we got to be ready for it because when, if we hit that target, let me tell you what's going to happen. Those doors are going to fling open, and all of a sudden you're going to see all kinds of treasures coming in the doors, people that they don't look like a treasure. They look like a scorpion and a snake and a tumbleweed. Okay, but they're going to be coming in those doors. They're going to be all kind of broken and lost and wounded. They don't know who they are, but we've got to create an atmosphere of grace in here so that when they walk into this atmosphere, their spirit somehow opens up and prepares to receive a kingdom word. Are you with me so far? So that kingdom word now comes into, and you can't do that in, in the preparation stage. That's where we're at right now if I keep preaching milk toast sermons to you all the time. Amen. You got it somewhere. You got to actually chew it up a little bit. The kingdom of God is upon us. If you haven't noticed, things changed pretty fast in 2020. I never thought in my world I would see any of that happen. I never thought that I would see the church. All they got to do, guys, is unplug the internet and what happened to the church. 33% now has gone out of the church, they say. Okay, the average church, 33% lost, never come back. All they got to do is take away our internet, and then what would happen? Then we wouldn't even be able to give or have Zoom or nothing. Then what would happen? And then they won't let you, what would happen to the church? We're not ready. 
We're not ready. We've got to learn how to be an underground church. We've got to learn how to function no matter what they do, no matter what happens out there. We've got to be able to function. I don't care what the Romans are doing. You know what I mean by that? You understand? It doesn't matter what politics are doing. We serve a different king. I'm not disrespecting our president. I'm not disrespecting our government. But I'm saying I serve the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And I have a responsibility to that, and so do you. And we cannot be a dominionless environment when these people come in. They've got to come in, and they've got to feel the presence of God. And there's got to be enough authority and dominion in this house to shake off whatever's on them and to unlock the treasure that's within them. We can't be going around with the silliness and name-dropping and religious activities. We need to create a house of God. Someday I'll teach you what the house of God means. Well, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a lot bigger scripture than you might understand. But, but using our anointing, okay, we're going to have to be, be able to press through their feelings, press through their emotions, not, not ignoring them. We're not ignoring their emotions. They're real. We're not ignoring their feelings. They're real. But I, I got to tell you, we, it's not about all that. It's about finding a way to get inside and touch their hearts and set them free. But we can't set them free if we're not free. And we can't be free if we're still entertaining demons. You can't cast the devil out if you got one. (sighs) Well, pastor, I just don't like going to that church because it's just so loud. It's so loud. You preach so long. Oh, my God. I mean, every time the Baptist beat us to the restaurant, we can't get a table. There's only given us 50% of the tables now. Pastor, I really wanted to be at church today, but the fish were biting, man. I heard about it out there. Like, the game was on. The game was on. The game was on. Cardinals were playing. The game was on. Huh? My cousin had the flu. <laughs> My cousin had the flu. I couldn't come to church. As long as, amen, I'm, I'm being real with you, we need to repent because the kingdom of God is at hand. Amen. We need to realize how important who we are. You, you, that's, a, that's what I teach you on Wednesday night. Who are you? That first question God will ever ask you. Who are you? First question the devil asks ask you. Who are you? You got to be able to answer that. You got to be able to answer that. Because you're going to get asked that. The kingdom of God is at hand. So I'm looking today as I get ready to close for a company of people that can praise God in the good times and the bad times. I'm looking for a people that no matter how tough it gets, that does not hinder them. They press into the kingdom. I want to praise him. And listen, if I get on the front of the line, I'll praise him on the front. If I'm in the back of the line, I'll praise him in the back. But I'm going to praise him. And I'm going to let people till my life. And if there's anything in there, if there's a little scorpion or something, stomp him out. I want to be as pure and as clean as I can because I need my connection with heaven that pure. I can't have corrosion in my connection because I'm going to see people come in that need help. Are you with me? And I, I, I need help. My family, I have, I have grandchildren that need my touch right now in their life. I can't be messing around right now and dilly-dallying. I've got to be straight. I don't have to be ugly. I'm not talking about being ugly. I'm not talking about being crude or rude, but I'm talking about with authority and dominion. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You'll find out one of these days. I've walked into a lot of restaurants with people just to have a nice meal, and demons start manifesting. They'll sense you when you walk in. 
They know if you've got authority. They know who you are. I've had them call my name out from across a restaurant. Never seen them in my life. I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you, when authority starts to happen, demons recognize. They know. And when they walk in these doors, they're going to know it. They're going to feel it. Okay? You need to be spirit-filled. You need to be full of the Holy Ghost. If you're not, come talk to me. I'll help you. It's not hard. It's so simple to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. It's the greatest prayer language. It's the greatest thing you can ever have in your prayer language. Because he prays what you don't even know how to pray. I sometimes can't even talk to people because I can't communicate what I'm trying to say to them. The Holy Ghost can get way beyond all that. Holy Ghost can take us to a whole nother level. Amen. And that's what God did for John the Baptist. He baptized him in the Holy Ghost because he said, you're going to be talking to snakes and vipers. You're going to be talking to rulers and leaders. They're going to eventually kill you. Amen. He didn't know that, but he was going to die. Now, he didn't understand, but God had him as a preparer of the way. God, he did his job so well, Jesus said there was never a greater prophet than him. That's powerful, amen, to have the Lord Jesus say that about you. And so I'm saying to you today that God is ready to move in this mountain in a new way. I'm not just, I'm not just, I'm not just trying to razz you up. Take a look at the news. No matter who wins, in a couple of days from now, our nation's going to shift. I've been telling every one of my pastors, you're going to have to learn to manage the season you're in. Because the seasons are going to change so fast you can't keep up. And I'm not going to be able to do that in my own wisdom. I'm going to need the Holy Ghost to help me. God, give me your wisdom. What are you doing in this moment, in this season, at this time? Help me now to have authority and dominion to walk into that to see your people set free. To change and establish your kingdom on the earth. Amen? Does that make you mad? Uh, my wife will talk to you after church. She'll help you. She'll get you glad again. <laughs> she, she, she's, she's like the Band-Aid. I'm like the scalpel. Sometimes it's a sword. <laughs> Amen. Psalms 113.13, I close with this. From the rising of the sun to its going down, the Lord's name is to be praised. Amen. Come on, musicians. Come help me out. Give the Lord a big praise, would you? Come on, everybody. Give him a big praise. Come on, a real praise, a real praise, a real praise. There you go. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. My name is Grace, and I'm a warrior. I'm a warrior. Violent, aggressive, committed, focused, intentional. My purpose is to establish an environment, an atmosphere for the kingdom to come. God never wanted to get the earth to heaven. He's always wanted to get heaven to earth. Let's get heaven to earth. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads just for a moment as the musicians get ready to lead us in a song. Let me just talk to you just for a moment. So good to see so many people here today. Thank you for taking the time. Now I encourage you this week to be a a person of praise. Don't let that garment of heaviness get on you. Don't let it get on you. Shake it off. Shake it off. Don't let it get there. And you walk it out with God and you believe God this week. I don't know everybody in this room. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. There's new faces to me at least. The most important thing in your world at this moment, at this time, is that you have a connection and a relationship with Jesus Christ. Not with me, not with this church, not with any other church. Do you actually 
know how to talk to God and do you know how to hear from God does God speak to you how do you hear from God you'll never be able to do that without that first step of Jesus Christ he's the door he's the way he's the truth you'll never receive anything from God but truth and you can't receive that without Christ in there If you've never really asked Jesus into your life, or even if you have and it just hasn't, you just haven't really got that serious about it, take a look around, my friend. I'm not trying to prophesy ugly, negative things, but I have a funny feeling we got some pretty wild stuff right ahead of us. Our businesses, our homes, our lives are going to be pushed and shaken. It's going to get wild for a little while. You're going to need all of God you can get. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to say you really need God and you know it. Your spirit man knows it. It wants God. You'd say, Pastor Ray, today I need to just surrender my life to Christ and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I've made a lot of messes and you've come in after me today and I want to respond to that. I just want to say, help me, God, help me. I want to accept you as my Lord. Help me. I don't even know how I'm going to do it. Help me, God. Lift your hand up so I can pray for you today. I see this hand and this hand. Hands are going up around the room. God bless you. Honest, honest hearts. Honest hearts. You can put your hands back down. You lifted them to God, not to me. One more call while our heads are bowed. There's a lot of us that are struggling with family issues, business issues, marriage issues. It's never going to change until you change. The atmosphere has to change for, let me, let me look at me for a minute. Culture. We talk about a kingdom culture. Do you know what culture is? Culture is the environment that something grows in. That's culture. So if I want to culture mold, I put it in a dark, damp environment and I'll get mold. If I want to culture a rose, I put it in a dry, arid environment and I get a rose. Okay, it's culture. It's the environment. We're creating a kingdom culture to grow a kingdom people. Okay? And some of you have got to really come to grips with that. You've got to understand the environment's going to change. I need somebody in my world that I can... Listen, the devil's always going to lie. Can you trust them? They're just a man. They're just a this. They're just a that. God's bigger than that. God always placed people in people's lives. Everything God does, he does through people. You'll never get around that. No way are you ever going to escape that. So you'd say today, God, help me to allow my life to be tilled. Help me to be honest and be real. And if I'm, if I'm rebuked or if I'm directed or if I'm given reassignment, help me to function in that to the best of my ability, to all that I have. And I believe you to oversee my life and oversee all that's happening in my life. Amen. God is speaking to several of you about that today. He really is, because he wants you to walk in new dominion. One last thing. Let's stand together. We're going to worship in just a moment. Let's stand together. One last thing. I want to challenge you to lift your prayer life like never before. Lift your prayer life. I'm talking about you personally in your own home, your own life. Okay? You might not realize it, but whoever gets to be president can affect your work. You may be without work. You maybe have a lot of stuff and have nothing in six months. From now. I, I pray that never happens. Our God's a God of prosperity. He'll help us. But 
we have to be understanding, okay? You're, you're moving into a whole new season. You don't, we didn't get to choose this. It's happening to us. God is moving in the earth. God raises up kings and sets them down. Amen. All authority is given by God. Romans 13, all, good and bad. He used Pharaoh to prepare Moses to be a deliverer. God, God, God does things different than we do things. But you're going to go through these seasons. You're getting ready to go through them. You're going to need to know God. And you're going to need to hear from God. And you're going to need to understand how to pray. So I'm encouraging you. If nothing more, take 10 minutes a day somewhere in your morning. Read your Bible and pray. I, 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 if you can't get more than 10 minutes, that's okay. Start there and we'll work up, okay? But just start with that. Just 10 minutes. Just sit down with your kids, your wife. Just read a scripture or two. Even if you don't understand them, read them. Start in the book of Mark or John. John's always a good book. Start in John. And just read. And then pray together. Pray together. And dad, if you can, you lead that prayer out loud. Pray out loud. Lead that prayer. And then mom, you pray. And then ask the kids to pray. You'd be surprised what them little guys can do. You'd be surprised. If they get six or seven, you'll just sit back and say, whoa, let them pray. And they have connections. They're not all corroded from world like you are. They don't have all the weight you have. They just, they just go. So father... Thank you so much for each hand that was raised today. Thank you for each person that was touched by your word today and that received it. Now, Lord, let us not forget it by the end of the week. Help us to remember that grace comes to prepare a way. And it's violent, it's aggressive, and it's working right now in this church and in our lives. Let us have a praise spirit. Let us have that garment of praise. Let us always move forward in your grace doing things that we could not do by ourselves, but with you, all things are possible. Let's all say this prayer together because several raised their hand for the first time. Can we say this together? Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I've made a mess of things. And I'm asking you to help me. Forgive me. And help me. And from this day on, to the best of my ability, I'm going to live for you. In Jesus, In Jesus' name. Now give the Lord a big clap offering, would you? Amen. One of the best things you could do is be a bringer. Look at your neighbor say, be a bringer. You bring somebody. Bring somebody. Bring somebody. You know why I ask you to do that? Not just to fill the church. Because it challenges you. It makes you have to act out your Christianity. When you invite somebody, it does something in you. It's, it's a really, it's about, that's why. If you'll invite somebody, it does something. That's why I'm asking you to do it. Oh, yeah, the church will fill. I know it will fill. It's going to fill because God's going to bring them. But I need you to grow. So be a bringer. Be a bringer. Be a bringer. I need to shut up. You guys got to take off. and get go. Oh, she got the drums out again. Get ready. Get ready. She going to beat the drums. After this song, we'll consider ourselves dismissed. Uh, we love you guys dearly. Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. We are working through Ruth right now to understand a few things. Then we're going to go into uh, the, 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 seven, the nine gems in Satan's body. And we're going to try to explain to you how sonship and orphans, how that all works and how you can find out who you are and how you can talk to God and actually hear him talk to you. I'm teaching you how to do it. Okay? All right? All right. Let's go.